you're listening to Side Hustle Pro, the podcast that teaches you to build and grow your side hustle from passion project to profitable business. And I'm your host, Nikayla Matthews-Okome. So let's get started. Hey, hey guys, welcome back to the show. I am back with another Q&A episode. And this episode was inspired by a Q&A I actually did on Instagram stories the other day. By the way, if you are not following me on Instagram, I am at Side Hustle Pro, and I jump into my stories all the time to share the behind the scenes of making this podcast and, you know, all the things that don't always end up making it onto my feed because IG stories is just way more convenient. So follow and do subscribe to my updates on IG so you also know when I go live. Anywho, so this episode, as I was saying, was inspired by IG stories. I one day just decided to do this impromptu Q&A session. You know how you can put up that thing, ask me a question. So I did that and lo and behold, I received questions and, you know, it was fun and I tried to answer as best as I could, but IG stories isn't truly the best place to get into your answer the way you want, the way I want to get into my answer, because I would have written an essay for some of those questions. So I thought, why not move the conversation over here to the podcast so that I could elaborate a little bit more? So let us jump right in. The first question I received was, did you have a pretty decent email list before starting Side Hustle Pro? So before starting out the podcast, I had a very small list. I had been blogging for under a year and wasn't really promoting my list because to be honest with you, when I first started, everyone, I heard people talk about this list that you need to build. And so I knew it was important, but I didn't really know why it was important. I had nothing that I necessarily wanted to communicate to a list. So I, I was just building it, but I didn't know how to keep my audience informed of what I had going on. So once I launched a podcast, I decided to learn more about why lists were important. And then as I was learning about why lists were important, I was also starting to grow my list using some of the techniques that I learned and some of the resources and, and you know, the great people who taught me things like this were some of the women who were on this podcast. So um, Maya Elias, who I talk about all the time, Catherine Solis Ray, who was just on the show, and also Amy Porterfield. I do listen to her podcast as well. And a lot of the episodes that she had on list building, I was consuming at the time. And so that's when I really started to build out my list. And I started to introduce things like freebies and episode notes and things like that, that um, I could provide value for people in exchange for an email address, which is what a freebie or a lead magnet is. So that's when I really started building it out. And I would say in order to start your podcast, you don't need to have an email list. You can build all of that once you have launched because no one wants to join just another email list. They want to join a community. They want to join to be informed about things that they think are important or, you know, first dibs on things that they want to get. So once you've really focused on creating your platform, your product, your service, whatever it is, then focus on building out the email list is what I would say. There are also people who put up landing pages. That's a whole different strategy. But again, when someone puts up a landing page that says, you know, stay tuned, sign up to get more information. 
it again goes back to that value piece. Whatever they are teasing on that landing page is so valuable to the audience that is viewing the page that they are willing to sign up. So if you're going to put up a landing page, again, make sure what you're offering is truly juicy, truly valuable, and not just something that you want. You know, think about your audience and definitely always keep them top of mind. So let me move on to the next question because I'm not going to actually answer with an essay for each one. (laughs) We have a few to get through tonight. Number two, should small businesses seek partnerships with other small businesses versus larger platforms? So as I mentioned on Instagram, it really depends on what kind of partnerships you're referring to here and what kind of business you have and where, what your business goal is. So if you're looking for sponsorships, for example, it's okay to approach larger businesses when you are a smaller brand, because what really matters with sponsorships is understanding your audience and understanding how it aligns with that business. And even if it's a niche audience, if that business needs to talk to this niche audience, then it is a match. Now, if you are thinking about just overall starting to build out your brand, wanting to generate awareness and visibility and, you know, wanting to collaborate with others for, let's say, an event, then yes, it's smart to start with smaller businesses because you guys are on the same level. It will be mutually beneficial versus you going up to a much larger business who is already bringing in the audience to that event. And they're like, well, what, you know, what are you giving me? I'm giving you all this publicity, but you're not really bringing anything to the partnership and the collaboration. So yes, in that case, you'd want to start small. You'd want to start with like peer businesses and that's why I really love what the Spice Suite does. So Angel Anderson of the Spice Suite is a former guest of Side Hustle Pro. And on her episode, she talks about how in her shop, she started a Spice Suite, the shop, and she sells spices, but she had all this other space there. And so she decided to open it up for other women in business, Black women in business who were selling their wares. How cool is that? So it's mutually beneficial for all because they get customers, they get visibility, and Angel gets a pop in Spice Suite. You know, she doesn't have to worry about filling up the whole shop with content and spices because there's all this other great stuff going on. So think about things like that. Number three, what do you invest in first, marketing or PR? So I can only speak for myself, but when I started out with Side Hustle Pro and even with my blog, when I was just blogging before I turned it into a podcast, I really focused on marketing. I focused on what I could control and what I could start with for little to no money. So for me, that was social media channels, which is why I love social media so much. Starting to build out my audience, starting to share my posts and what I had going on on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And when you are a new business and you know you don't have a lot of budget, it's not realistic that you can hire a publicist who often has a retainer fee, aka you pay them monthly for work and also PR can also have a longer lead time to see the results because it's about relationship building. It's about building up that narrative to land opportunities for magazines and things of that nature to want to have you on to share the story that they think is interesting. You have to first build that brand narrative. 
so that they can talk about where you've come from, what you've accomplished and all of that. So for me, I started just with marketing, with building out that audience, with building out my episodes, with growing my downloads, because I knew later on I wanted to do a PR campaign to share hey, look what's going on with this Side Hustle Pro thing. Like, it's really awesome. It's gotten this many downloads. Like, people are really interested in this subject matter. Here's why more of you should pay attention. Now, that is how I approached it. And by the way, when I did my first and so far only PR campaign, I used the service that is now defunct, unfortunately, but it was a service that allowed you to have a one-off PR campaign. So I paid, I think it was around eight fifty. dollars For one time, I think we worked with each other over the course of uh, maybe six weeks where we sat down, we met, we fleshed out my narrative and, you know, why the story was important at this particular moment. And for me, it was around my first anniversary. I wanted to do a big push. And then after that, the service provider went about identifying publications that would be interested in this story, because that's the great thing about PR is they go about identifying who wants to share this story. And from there, they pitched. And that's how I landed the Mashable article about, you know, Side Hustle Pro and being, you know, the best entrepreneurship podcast. So that's how that happened. Now, although that service no longer exists, I hope this gives you a sense of how you can approach and think about PR as a long-term goal or not even long-term because, again, I did it around my one-year anniversary, but use it as first market your business, focus on that so you can build up an audience, build up a story, and then think about PR. Now, I do have to say that I am not a publicist. I have a marketing bias as someone who studied marketing, worked in marketing, and that's why I have a publicist coming up on the show. Her episode will air in January so you can get to, you know, understand the mindset and understand the value and when to approach a publicist a little bit more. Alrighty, now let's get into the next question. Number four, when did you realize, wow, I can do this full time? Well, 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 (laughs) I think I had that kind of moment. I knew that I wanted to do it full time. So, you know, when I first received this question, I kind of had to take a step back for a second and think, well, you know, I always knew that I wanted to do my own thing at some point. I didn't know what that meant. I just knew that jobs were, I just could never find a job that I just felt like, oh, this is like something I can see myself doing for five, 10 years. Now I, you know, had an aversion to the word entrepreneurship and I wasn't quite sure if I could do it for a long time because it just, again, it felt like something that wasn't for me, for someone who isn't really a huge risk taker and all of that jazz. So what I knew I needed to to have inside of me was this feeling that I had done as much due diligence as possible, that I had prepared, that I had researched. I know a lot of my guests come onto the show and they're like, just do it, just jump. And yes, at some point you do, right? There's never going to be this moment, this light bulb moment that it says, okay, now is it? But I knew for me, I wanted to pair that, okay, I'm going to leap with, okay, I'm going to leap now because I've, I've literally, I've, I've planned, I've saved, I've thought about every scenario, I've thought through some revenue streams. And if this doesn't work, I know I can do this, this, and this. And if all of those don't work, then I'm just going to go back and get a job. And that was the process that I went through. So I spent over a year planning for the leap. 
And I talked about this in my I Quit episode, which I believe was the last episode or second to last of 2017. So you can hear more about my process here. I am big on having a plan, working the plan. And I will say, though, that when I started monetizing my podcast, so when I received that first sponsorship check is when I had a moment like, okay, imagine if I did this times X amount. Imagine if I grow to this many downloads, I can charge X amount. Then I'd be able to do this full time. So the wheels started turning. They made me start to think through how I would support myself, how I could replicate success, replicate business partnerships, what that would look like and what revenue streams made sense for me beyond sponsorships. So with all of that, I developed a plan and I worked the plan. And that's when I really felt like, okay, I can do this full time. I'm going to start preparing for my quick date. Number five, what year did your podcast start to take off? Year two or year three? This is another funny question that made me have to take a step back for a second. So when you say something like, when did it take off? For me, it took off the minute people started listening. Before launching, I really didn't know if anyone would listen to this. I had a lot of second guessing of myself. I almost chickened out (laughs) right before I was like, this is, I don't know about this, you know, but ultimately I, I let it out the gate. I kept a positive attitude and a positive, optimistic vibes and put my all into that launch. And then once people started listening, once I started getting the feedback, once I saw the downloads, that's to me was that, oh, this is taking off. This is taking off to me because when I think about goals, it's important to set that first goal. So my goal wasn't, oh, I want a million downloads. My goal was I want a hundred And when I hit that, then my focus became, oh, I want a thousand. And then when I hit that, it went on and on and on. So it had taken off for me when I started hitting my goals. And I was able to hit my goals because I set goals that were tangible and made sense. And then I also analyzed. So when you look at the data of your podcast or anything that you, any business that you have, look at the piece. Look at what successful days look like and then take into account all the factors that are going on in those days. What did you do? How did you promote it? How did you talk about it? Who did you talk to? What day was that? Was it a holiday? What's going on? So that you can start to replicate what makes a really good week and do more of that. So once I start to see what made a really good podcasting week, I would replicate that. And then it would be a really good month and a really good few months. So because I'm always aiming for that new goal, it's hard for me to define a moment when I felt like, ooh, this is taking off now. I'm always striving for more. And and there's no one moment where I feel like I have accomplished all I want to accomplish with Side Hustle Pro. But I'm thankful that it's continued to be listened to, discovered, and all of that. And um Every month's downloads incrementally just build on the last month's. So those million downloads took me two years. Now, I definitely celebrated when I crossed that milestone of a million downloads, but it's important for me and for you to remember that that was the accumulation of, you know, days, weeks, months, over two years. So I didn't feel like, oh, it's taken off now that it's hit a million because, hey, those millions <laughs> break down into the daily listens and the daily work that I put in to make sure Side Hustle Pro stayed on people's radar every day, every week, every month. Next question. 
Number six, anything you miss about your corporate job? (laughs) This is funny. Okay. Truth be told, well, you guys have heard me talk a little bit about this. I do miss the default human interaction. That human interaction where I didn't have to go out of my way to get. So that I miss. It's, you know, you take things for granted when you don't have it. And I also miss the daily inside jokes with the people I rocked with. You know, there were always jokes, no matter what kind of day you're having at work. All you need is to like link up with your girl in the kitchen for a quick tea break and just kiki over something. And, you know, we would go into um, 30 minute rooms, you know, those little mini conference rooms that some companies have. And just have a moment to debrief with each other, decompress. And so those are the great moments that you that I miss because you can't always debrief the way you did with people when you're working in separate places now. But don't get me wrong, like I I have fond memories and laughter and giggles when I think of every place I've ever worked. However, I don't miss the commute. I don't miss having less control over what I spend my time on. So all in all, there's more that I don't miss than I do miss. And that's that. That's all I'm going to say about that. (laughs) Next question. How did B-School help you become an entrepreneur? So Ebony Pope and I touched on this in episode 98. So if you are considering getting your MBA and have entrepreneurial goals, I would love for you to hear our answer there, but I will touch on it a little here because I don't think everyone, especially if you've just started listening, knows my story as much. Um, So I went to the University of Pennsylvania for undergrad and I majored in communication. I got my bachelor's of arts in communications. And several years later, I decided to go back to get my MBA. And I went to the University of Michigan Ross School of Business for my MBA. Now, I had had several years of work experience when I went back to business school. So I'd had time to Um, examine different roles. I started out in public relations, actually. Then I moved into social media marketing and from there moved into more general marketing at a university. So I tried out both. So I worked in public relations at MTV. I moved to a startup called Ideally, which no longer exists. It was a fashion startup. So I got exposure to the e-commerce world, the startup world. And I went into academia, worked at Georgetown for a little bit in executive exec education. doing That was when I was doing general marketing. And it was there when I, I realized that, hey, I've spent all these years hopping from role to role. And now that I'm in this world of social media marketing, I'm realizing that I'm, I'm doing a lot of the teaching to myself because no one knows this yet. This is brand new. And I'm having to go into to meetings and explain the ROI of a Facebook campaign. And I'm just guessing. I am just making this ish up as I go. <laughs> so I decided, you know what? I want to go back and, and learn, actually learn marketing. I hadn't studied that because I avoided all quant. And in at UPenn, you have to go into the Wharton School to take the marketing courses. And, you know, my first couple of days in that marketing course, I was like, oh, no, I'm getting out of this. This is too much, <laughs> which, I, you know, I now regret. I realized it was not that deep. But when you're just in your happy world of liberal arts and you always kind of shied away from it, it kind of intimidates you. So I decided, you know, no more of this. I want to be a true businesswoman one day. I want to be able to speak to the numbers and be confident. So I'm going back to get my MBA. So that's the lens that I went into business school with. Now, your lens is going to be different. 
So when people say, oh, should I go to business school? Well, you know, where are you coming from? Why do you want to go there? Everybody's answer is going to be different. I went into business school and this is what I said on my IG stories. And I, I always tell people this. I went into business school thinking like an employee and I came out thinking like a boss. My sole goal when I went into business school was to get a six-figure job. That is that is one of the biggest promises of getting your MBA. I'm going to come out with this six-figure job. And so that's what I was laser focused on, being somebody's employee. And like many people, that that is what we are promised and that's what we're thinking about. But I was also exposed to that smaller group. It might be bigger now since entrepreneurship is like the hot thing now. Um, but... I was also exposed to this smaller group of people who had the courage to really think outside the box. Most programs encourage you to think outside the box, but very few people actually are able to stand their ground and not follow the herd and explore different career and life opportunities and explore what life could look like if they follow their interests that doesn't align with a company that recruits on campus. So if you are entrepreneurial and you're thinking along those lines and you also want to go to business school, it's going to be tough. You have to remember that you're going to have to really stand your ground because it's going to be tempting to do all these different things rather than stick to your goal. That said, this is the Side Hustle Pro Podcast and I'm big on side hustles. So just because you want to be an entrepreneur, it doesn't mean you have to come out of your MBA and, you know, not get a traditional job and just go after entrepreneurship. You can side hustle, pay off those student loans or what have you while you're still figuring it out. Just as long as you know that startup idea is not just going to fall on your lap. You have to really go out there and explore your interests and passions. And also know that there's no book, no program, no classroom, no no uh, case that will ever replace the experience you need from actually doing it. No case can teach you that. Every, for example, everything I've learned about podcasting and funnels and social media marketing, even negotiating the sponsorship contracts, all of that happened outside of the classroom because it's so targeted to my field. And almost everyone else who started a business, as you've heard on this show, there are things they had to learn that just couldn't be taught in a classroom. Of course, my accounting experience and exposure helped. Of course, having you know exposure to all of these, this different curriculum has helped. And it has made me more confident and it's made me understand the landscape of business much more. But I will say that don't feel pressure to get an MBA as if that's the only way to be a businesswoman. And I'll just end with, again, check out episode 98 and just keep in mind that everything I've learned about what I'm doing right now happened outside the classroom, but the softer skills, the intangible skills I've gained are also so important. And it's really hard for me to put it into words, but I hope understanding where I've personally come from and what led me to uh, explore my MBA can give you a little bit more context. Hey guys, it's Nikayla here with a quick word from our sponsors. Okay, I have a side hustle hack for all to hear, and it's called Skillshare. You want to know how I grow as a businesswoman? I keep learning. There's not a week that goes by that I'm not checking out a refresher class or a deep dive tutorial. And my go-to is Skillshare. Skillshare is an online learning platform with over 18,000 classes in business, marketing, entrepreneurship, you name it. 
So whether you're trying to start a side hustle or scale your business, Skillshare is there to keep you learning and thriving. In the last month alone, I've learned how to set up my email capture landing page on Squarespace and how to boost my email marketing using MailChimp, all through Skillshare. And now, Skillshare has a special offer just for my listeners. Get two months of Skillshare for just 99 cents. That's right, just 99 cents. To sign up, go to Skillshare.com slash Hustle Pro. Again, go to Skillshare.com slash Hustle Pro to start your two months now. Tell me if you've ever had this experience. You go to find an everyday nude in the beauty aisle and everything makes your lips look dry and ashy. Thanks to Mented, that is no longer our ministry. Mented, short for pigmented, is an upscale cosmetics brand focused on everyday beauty for women of color. For a while, I convinced myself that nude must mean something else for me. It must mean dusty beige because that is all I ever saw in the beauty aisle. But I can now say goodbye to that lie thanks to Mented's mauve over color. It literally matches my God-given lip color. Mented's multifaceted nudes were crafted with our melanin in mind. And I love Mented so much that I have one of their lip colors in each of the three bags I wear the most so that I always know that I have one on deck. And Mented doesn't just make lipstick. Their glosses are perfect for women who want more sheen. And their everyday eyeshadow palette is so bomb, it sold out four times and had a 2,000-person wait list. Luckily, it's back in stock, though. And also lucky, Side Hustle Pro listeners get 15% off of all their Mented purchases. Just head over to mentedcosmetics.com slash side hustle or use code side hustle at checkout. Again, that's mentedcosmetics.com slash side hustle or use code side hustle at checkout to enjoy 15% off your purchase. All right. Now let's talk about someone says, how long before you launched did you share your new thing with people? So I shared the announcement that I was launching the Side Hustle Pro podcast for the first time in April. April 30th, to be exact, I was on, I was in an entrepreneurship uh, conference retreat in Hawaii with my boo, now husband, and it was the day he proposed to me. So I think it's so, it's just something so special to me that the day that, you know, I talked about the vision for the next phase and wave of my life happened on the day that we made that move in our life to take on that next, that next level, that next chapter in our life. And I'll also say that here's the thing. Some people are more comfortable sharing things that they're going to do in advance for accountability. And some people are not. Both ways work. It really is what works for you as long as you are accountable to yourself. Don't get caught up in when should I tell other people? Just focus on, okay, am I being, how am I holding myself accountable? And also don't expect people to hold you accountable just because you tell them. So although I told people and they were excited for me and clapped, no one truly, other than my husband, of course, because he he lives with me, he he knows you know, what my vision is. And if he doesn't see me working on it, he's going to be like, hey, what, what happened to this? Um, but no one truly follows up. No one's no one's your babysitter. No one's your parent. No one's really checking in like that. So if you're doing it for that reason only, 
that can fall by the wayside very quickly. So I like the accountability of it. But when I said it, it was really me saying it and owning it for myself. Like, yes, girl, you are going to do this. I put it out into the atmosphere. The people I was in the room with, I haven't talked to any of them really (laughs) since the conference. So it wasn't like they were actually going to hold me accountable, but it was just something about getting it from my head into the atmosphere that made me feel more committed to the idea. So that's what it did for me. And and if it does the same thing for you, then go ahead and announce it to people. But remember that people's opinions don't matter. They really don't. They really, really, really don't. Unless they are your target audience, your target customer, then focus on that. Because let me tell you something like people near, dear, and close to me when I launched Side Hustle Pro, all they were focused on was what was wrong with it, um, giving me all the edit feedback. And it's like, I can hear that too. Y'all don't think I know that? I know that. I hear my voice, blah, blah, blah. I know all of that. These things, while people mean it in a constructive way sometimes, or mean it to um, help you and help you grow, it's often not helpful because Again, it's easy to to sit on the sidelines and give all these opinions. And I have no time for people sitting on the sidelines giving me critiques. Now, if you want to jump into this podcasting ring and be up at night editing and, and, you know, doing all that stuff like I was doing in the beginning, then then we can talk. But other than that, I have no time for it. So be careful with sharing your new thing. If you are going to be very susceptible to people's opinions and all of that when they are not even in the same business. Right now, number nine, how do you manage to stay focused hour to hour? Ladies and gentlemen, you know that I do not stay focused hour to hour. There is nobody in the world that does that. If there is, like, please introduce me to them. Um, (laughs) So what I like to do is batch my tasks. And I also like to just focus on one to two things a day. So What this does for me is it helps me to break up my day. It helps me to have enough time in my day to get one or two major things done. And when I say major, these are still broken up into smaller, smaller, smaller uh, tasks. So for example, when I was putting a course together, you know, I might say, okay, today I'm going to do the slides for two sections. And then, you know, one week just focused on getting the slides done. And let's say there are eight modules. So that week I just focus on getting those eight slides done those eight modules of slides done or however many slides are within the modules. Then the next week I will break up the recording because when you put too much on your plate or try to get it all done in one day, you are less likely to do it. So I'm big on breaking it all down. And when you look at it in a day, you might say, hmm, am I really working hard? Because you are so used to having eight to 10 to however many hours you work on your schedule. And you, you think of yourself as very productive, right? You, for the most part, yes, you have lunch, yes, you kiki with your friends, but you think you're, very, you're, you're pretty productive in those hours, right? Most people don't keep track of how many hours they actually do work at work. So for me, I had to reset that thinking because I was so used to being somewhere from like eight to five. And therefore I could not wrap my mind around doing one to two hours of work a day. And when I say one to two hours, that varies. But let's say I have two major tasks to get done that day. And 
I focused on getting those done. And my my measure of success and achievement is that I got those done. Not that I spent nine or eight hours of work on Side Hustle Pro because that was messing with my head. That was making me do mindless work. That was making me spend hours doing just mindless, mindless things rather than focusing on breaking up the big tasks and getting those done so that at the end of two weeks, I have a major product done. I have a major project just fulfilled because all I did was focus on that. So I've reset my thinking that way. And I do share that in my goal getter system. So you guys you know, you've heard me talk about this, but that's because <laughs> it works. It works. I, I look back even at this year because there's some days when I feel so unproductive again, because my frame of reference was, you know, being somewhere for eight, nine hours. And now that I don't go to my co-working space for nine hours, I'm like, am I being productive? But when I look at the end of my months and my sprints, as I break them down, I break down my year into 12-week sprints. I'm like, oh, I checked off every single thing I put down for these three months. I checked off every single thing. So that is how I judge my success now. And if you want to follow that goal-getter plan, just head over to sidehustlepro.co slash goal-getter, and I will link to this. All righty, we are getting close to the end. Number 10, what job did you have before Side Hustle Pro? So I realized uh, many people don't know this. And it's because although I mentioned it in a few episodes, one, everyone tunes into different episodes. But also, I always wanted to keep business and side hustling separate. So I didn't do a whole bunch of talking about where I worked while I was working. So I started this podcast. I was side hustling. Side Hustle Pro, the podcast was my side hustle while I was working for NPR, National Public Radio. Um, Many of you grew up listening to NPR, still listen to NPR. And while there, I led social media marketing for some of your favorite podcasts, like How I Built This, Code Switch, Hidden Brain, so much more. I worked there for two years from December 2015 to December 2017, where I did my I Quit episode. And it was so funny because when I I started there, I just had a blog. I even had it on my resume. And it was just this thing I did on the side that I like doing. And I throughout, it must have been osmosis throughout being there, just really started thinking more about podcasting. And so about six months later, so I started in December 2015 and then launched Side Hustle Pro in June of 2016. So it was kind of cool. But then I also had to really stay focused on not comparing myself because being at the number one podcast publisher in the world and being surrounded by these phenomenal talents, it would be really easy to start comparing your podcast and say, you know what, (laughs) let me just stop while I'm ahead because I ain't never going to be blah, 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 blah. But I just kept focused on my lane and what my mission was, what I was trying to do and why this message needed to get out to the world, why it was important. So I would also encourage all of you to, when you're starting something, really, really try hard not to compare yourself to other people and other businesses, other brands, because it could really make you depressed if you do that. It could really make you feel low about yourself. And that's something that I continually check. You know, there are other podcasters who I admire and look up to and I'm like, oh, they just got such a smooth system. They have a whole staff. They have all these great landing pages for their projects. They, they're rolling out an episode twice a week. And then I have to check myself and say, 
I'm still only two years in, two and a half years in. There's so much room to grow. And that's exciting. That's amazing. That means that I can wake up every day and have something to do. That means that the world is my oyster and there's so much more I could do. So think about life in that way and do not compare yourself. Number 11, how did you find your podcasting voice? Speaking of which, this is a good question to, um, you know, piggyback on the last one. So I found my podcasting voice by focusing on the message rather than the delivery. Because if I got caught up in the delivery, a.k.a. how do I sound, how smooth do I sound, um, and all this other stuff, then I would never, ever have released Side Hustle Pro. Because if I waited until I absolutely loved my voice and felt like I was the best interviewer, felt like I was Oprah level, I would never have started the show. So I just focused on action and then I would re-listen to episodes. When I started out, I was making note of, okay, you know, try to do less of this, try to do more of this and all that stuff. And what I found was it was naturally starting to occur anyway even if I didn't take notes. So I stopped taking notes, but I do re-listen to episodes and I do listen to um, people that I admire. But then I also keep in mind that I don't want to sound like that person. I don't want to sound like yet another person who is trying to sound like an NPR voice. NPR has a very distinct way. It, it's, it comes with training. These people are trained to sound this way. <laughs> and I don't want to sound like a nighttime radio show. However, I have great respect for that. But then I I want to still sound like myself. I want to sound like we're having a conversation. And many people who meet me, they are like, wow, this is so weird. Or, or, you know, if I talk to someone on the phone, they're like, oh, this is so crazy. Like, I feel like I'm listening to the podcast because this is is how I speak. This is my voice. I, um, you know, not many people grow up with vocal training. So your cadences, your lilts, you know, my little Jamaican lilt, like it will come out and that's just what it's going to be. However, that doesn't mean you can't improve. You know, I talked about this on the episode with Sharia Jack. Jackson, where she talked about taking an online course to kind of work on just the her vocal exercises, her breathing, so that she could be approved to read her audio, the audio version of her book. And I do want to make time for it this year, this coming year. So hold me to it, but I'll hold myself to it, as I say. And Skillshare has actually some awesome vocal training classes. So I've saved those on my Skillshare and I'm going to, I plan to do those over the holiday once I actually take a break, but it's a work in progress. You guys, I find my podcasting voice by being true to myself, by listening to others, making notes of what I like, um, and what I could, um, you know, take on that would still fit me. But then I also think about what I genuinely want to know. So my questions You know, there's a framework that I use. However, when I talk to each guest, you know, they're going to vary because I need to break down their story. I need them to tell me a little bit more about this. I need them to go into details. And sometimes people are so used to telling their story that they skip over it. So those questions, when I'm breaking it down a little bit more, those are all just natural. I try to keep it conversational. And so that is my signature Nikayla style, I guess. Number 12, are you doing any more masterclasses anytime soon? Yes, I am. So thank you for asking. Now, 
for those of you wondering, what masterclass are they talking about? So I teach a masterclass called Your First 1000 Downloads. It is all about how to launch, grow your downloads, and basically turn your own podcast into a platform. And as I said before, you need to focus on that first that first 1,000 before you can focus on your first 100,000 or your first million. So what I do is I go through my first out the gate marketing steps, what I did to grow the downloads week over week, what I did to grow my audience, and then different ways that I've monetized and how you can monetize as well. So the next masterclass will actually be next Thursday, December 6th. So if you're listening to this, as soon as it comes out, it will be next Thursday, December 6th at 8 p.m. Eastern. And you can head over to sidehustlepro.co slash live class to register. I will also link this in the show notes. So I hope to see you all there. What's really cool is I am recording this on the day that I received the trailer for um, a new original series that I I'm doing with Ted, Ted, the makers of Ted Talk, along with Dropbox. And they are, they started a series called, you know, The Way We Work. And it's all about how work is changing. And we are all doing different things. And so my episode is going to be about side hustling and it comes out in January. But what's so awesome about this, which I just shared on Facebook, is that opportunity came to me because of podcasting. I was just minding my business. I was just heads down recording, like didn't even have my information set up correctly on my Instagram account or my website. I didn't even, the person, the producer who was looking for me had to track me down with a LinkedIn message. Like that's how much I was just tunnel vision in my hole. And it was all because she, you know, came across me in a search listened to the episodes, took a look at my platforms and what I was about and thought like, this person has to be the person to talk about side hustling. So that's the kind of thing that can happen when you create content and you're serious about it and you build it out. And I think podcasting is having its moment right now. Podcasting is one of those mediums that is just really ripe for content creators and for people to not only put out the content, but build it into a larger platform. And so I'm very, very passionate about helping others do this, especially people of color. So if you are interested in this at all, just head over to sidehustlepro.co slash live class. Join me. Let's talk about your vision. Let's talk about your goals. We do have Q&A at the end of class. So go ahead, join me so you can pick my brain some more. All right. Now, final, final question. This is the question of how do you go about being a guest on Side Hustle Pro? So this, you know, what's so funny about this is that the first person who asked me about being a guest, what they what they actually said, (laughs) you know, this was one of those IG story questions. What they actually said was, um, can I be on your podcast? And I and I wrote back, uh, not if you're pitching me in the DMs. <laughs> and then someone else said, you know, well, OK, I see a lot of people say this. What is the appropriate way? And so I, I felt like, OK, I need to address this now. I know early, early, early on, maybe like the first couple of episodes, I did say, you know, reach out to me. I want to hear who you want to um, have on who you want to be in the guest chair. You can DM me, all this other stuff. I apologize. I was naive. I did not realize that Sahas Pro would grow and I would get 
Um, just so many interesting, curious DMs. <laughs> so I take it back, y'all. I take it back. I hereby rescind that offer. If you want to be in the Side Hustle Pro guest chair, head over to sidehustlepro.co slash pitch to fill out an application form. This allows me to get to know a little bit more about your business than a quick DM. And the reason why other people may say this, again, I can only speak for myself, but this is what I assume, why other people might say the same, don't pitch me in the DM kind of message. Um, It's overwhelming and it's too casual. So I do keep my DMs open. I'm not one of those people that has the big stop sign. next to DMs in their bio like that, I think is a little bit much. However, getting DMs to be on the show can be overwhelming and it's just too casual. Like it makes it, it makes it seem like you don't take your business uh, seriously and you're not professional because if you are professional, you would track down someone's email, right? Like you would really put your best foot out there. So the first thing you need to do If you are going to reach out to someone in the DM, the only time you should reach out to someone is if their contact information is not readily available, which would be surprising, but it does happen. And then when you reach out to them, don't pitch them yet. Don't actually pitch them in the DMs. Just, you know, introduce yourself, say hello. I would even be overly formal because I'm extra like that sometimes. Like, you know, good morning, good afternoon. My name is so-and-so. I do this, I do that. And I'm reaching out to you here because I'd like to know the appropriate email, the best email for you, because I'd like to send you a formal pitch or formal request or formal invite to be in the Sidehouse Pro Guest Chair. Like that is how I would do it. Um, Now, there's no reason to send that message to me because my email is now in my bio and it's also on the website. So there's no reason that I should get that, that email. However, there are some people who it's harder to track them down. Case in point, I'll give you an example for Angie Wandu from Shade Room. I initially emailed the email address that is on the Shade Room Instagram bio. However, after a while, I wasn't getting a response. So I sent them a DM and I and I sent that message. I said, hey, you know, I probably said, sorry to sorry to DM you about this, but I've been, um, I'm Michaela from Styles Pro and blah, blah, blah. It's my podcast. Duh, duh, duh. And I've been trying to get, um, I would love to invite Angelica Nwandu into the guest chair. What's the best email address for her? They gave me an email address. Boom. Send her a formal pitch via email. So that's how you do it. And by the way, make sure you've really exhausted all options before you do that. Otherwise they'll look at you like you're crazy. Like, wait a second. My email address is in my bio. I'll put that there so I I don't get DMs, right? So really make sure you've exhausted all your options by looking on the website and on the Instagram bio, Facebook bio, all of that. Second suggestion, not just for my podcast, but for other podcasts and for other magazines and for other whoever you are pitching. Um, One, make sure there's alignment. So I get pitches from white men all the time who say, you know, I love your episode and they say all the right things, but they've clearly never listened to Side Hustle Pro because they would know that that is not who we are having in the guest chair over here. (laughs) So make sure you really are in alignment. Also, Think about what's in it for the audience. So many people reach out to me and they're just like, hey, I run this, I do that, da, da, da. I think I'll be a great guest. And the people who I admire and who I am receptive to are the ones who say, 
I have something of value for your audience and here's why. And then they share a little bit about their journey. I also give you the opportunity to do that in the pitch application. And I created that because I was getting a little overwhelmed with pitches because here's the secret, you guys. I plan my episodes six months out. So that means up to six months from now, I kind of know who's going to be in the guest chair and who I want to be in the guest chair. Don't be discouraged by that. Just know that that's me you know, taking care of business, handling my business, being on top of game. However, I will read every pitch. I do read every pitch. Just know that it's extremely difficult to accept them all because I have already planned out much of the year. So if there is something, if, if there is someone that I'm going to accept, it's also going to be later in the year to the following year. So be open to that. Be ready for that. Um, if there's a fit, my team and I will reach out I don't get back to, to to pitches. I just, I get back if there's a fit. And again, that's just managing bandwidth um, in all honesty. What else? I'm just talking off the cuff here now because I do want to be a, a, as transparent as I can be about the Side Hustle Pro process. I know there's so many awesome Black women entrepreneurs out there. And that's why I want to keep doing the podcast so that I can interview as many as possible. Just know that I only release an episode once a week, every week in the year. So you know, you can do the math. That means they're not, I'm not going to be able to get to everyone in a given year, but years and years to come, I will be. What else? Um, oh, please don't follow up within two days of sending a pitch. <laughs> okay. Listen, people have re- received your pitch. The, if you don't get a bounce back message, people have received your pitch. They have read it. They have they've made a mental note, maybe a physical note if they're you know they're planning to fit you into the schedule. And you can you can follow up maybe maybe in for me, honestly, maybe a month. But do not hit me three days after you send a pitch, please, because I'm I'm thinking about who I'm recording that month, not who am I having the guest chair in seven months. So I hope that's helpful for you. So just to recap. You know, look for their email, send a pitch via email, think about the audience and position it as something for the audience, not just about who you are and rolling down your stats. Minimize the amount of stats. This is a new one. Minimize the amount of stats. Um, no one wants to just uh, read an email with you running down your resume on why you're so great. Again, focusing on the topic, the theme of the episode, a little bit about your story, and then um, offer to chat more, share a media kit if you'd like to, share a website, make sure all your links are working. What else? And don't follow up too soon. Don't badger. And if you do have to DM, just reach out to get the right email. Don't pitch them in the DM. Hope that's helpful. You guys send me an email or um, reach out to me in my Facebook community. If you have more questions about this episode, hope it was helpful. And I will see you guys in the next masterclass. That's at sidehustlepro.co slash live class to register. And we'll talk about your first 1000 podcast downloads. And with that, there you have it. Hey guys, thanks for listening to Side Hustle Pro. If you want to hear more from me, head on over to sidehustlepro.co forward slash side hustle corner to get my weekly side hustle diaries chronicles about my own journey from passion project to profitable business. And if you want to find me online, I'm at side hustle pro 
on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Don't forget to join the Side Hustle Pro Facebook community. Go to sidehustlepro.co forward slash mastermind. And as always, if you love the show, do me a favor and subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. Thanks, guys. Talk to you next week. Thank you.